I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. If you're using a pew Bible, that can be found on page 1134. I want to begin reading at verse 9, verses 12 to 20 will be my sermon text for this evening. I'd like to begin reading at verse 9. Let us now hear God's word. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality before the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin is a, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually, sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Let's follow the reading of God's word. I'm going to turn now in our Forms and Prayers book to page 221, Lord's Day 20, regarding I believe in the Holy Spirit. Page 221, Lord's Day 20. Congregation, I'll ask the question and we respond together with the answer. Congregation, what do you believe concerning the Holy Spirit? First, that the Spirit with the Father and the Son is eternal God. Second, that He is given also to me so that through true faith, He makes me share in Christ and all his benefits, comforts me, and will remain with me forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is teaching the church of Jesus Christ from this passage of Scripture. Oh, Lord God, help us to hear the word, to believe the word, and to put feet to our faith so that we walk in a manner worthy of the calling that is in Christ, that we may walk as citizens of his kingdom, reflecting his glory and greatness in our lives and in the life of your church. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Congregation of Christ, it matters how we view our physical bodies. God created us in his image and in his likeness. He created us with a body and soul. He created us male and female. At the fall, when sin entered the world and death through sin, sin became a deadly poison to body and soul. Sin wreaks havoc on our passions and lusts, and our lustful desires seek release through the instrument called our body. Paul's teaching here is so important for Christians because the world sees the body as something that is dispensable, something that is valueless. Do whatever you want with your body as long as you fulfill your passions, your desires, your inner desires and will. And use your body to fulfill those needs and wants. For the Christian, the body is to be in service to the Lord. The body is to be used to glorify the Lord. Glorify the Lord in your body. Serve His purposes with your body. Glorify His name in your body. How then, Christian, do you view your physical body? Is it a slave to your desires and lusts? of the flesh, the inner desires? Or is your body subject to the will of God, your Father, in your life? Is it subject to your passions, your pleasures, idolatry, or as Paul talks this morning, of sexual immorality? Or are we slaves to Christ? It's a very important teaching by the Apostle Paul. It's very important and it applies to us most certainly today because times are not that different than those days, are they? First, the Apostle Paul addresses the purpose of the body in verse 12 and 13. He says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Four times in this letter to Corinth, Paul says or quotes this saying, all things are lawful for me. In chapter 10, he says it twice as well. It must have been a very common saying in those days in Corinth, in that culture and in that day. But it was a saying that infiltrated the church as well, infiltrated the the beliefs and practices of the church in Corinth, where the body was used as an instrument to meet the desires and passions of the inner person or spirit. Corinth was a very highly sexualized culture, temple prostitutes, fornication, that is promiscuous sex before marriage, adultery were commonplace. In fact, in the 4th century B.C., around 320 B.C., that is before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, there was a Greek orator 
lawyer, and very intellectual man called Demosthenes. And Demosthenes was a man who gave many speeches in his life, and he was very well known in Athens. And he said this, and this is typical of that day and age, even in Paul's day. He, wrote, he said this, We keep mistresses for pleasure, concubines for daily concubinage, but wise we have to produce children legitimately and to have a trustworthy guardian of our domestic property. That's how they viewed sexual relationships. Mistresses for pleasure. Concubines for concubinage. I had to look up that word. Wives are simply there to produce offspring and keep the household straight. The church in Corinth took on a similar attitude. And that's why Paul quotes what is said in that culture. All things are lawful for him, but he gives commentary. But not all things are helpful or profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. I like the word mastered. I will not be mastered by anything but Christ. This is not the way of the Christian, Corinthians. This is not the way of the gospel. The gospel, and therefore the church, doesn't encourage the sin of sexual immorality, but rather it calls Christians to holy living. That is the purpose of the body, to glorify God in holy living, not sexual immorality. Holy living including the body and soul, for the two are not mutually exclusive. And he'll go on to say he challenges the expression of that day. Food is for the stomach and the stomach is for food. You see those in quotes? He's quoting the, the saying of that day. But he gives commentary again. He has a commentary on the reality of that saying that God will destroy both the stomach and food because they are temporary. But he adds the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. The purpose of the body is to serve and glorify the Lord. God created the body with the purpose of glorifying and serving the Lord until the day of redemption. How do Christians glorify God in the body? Don't be mastered by anything but Christ. Don't be mastered by immorality. Don't be mastered by idolatry. Use your body as instruments of righteousness and not instruments of unrighteousness. Do not give in to the passions and lusts of the flesh and see those lusts and and passions be manifested by the physical body. Because your bodies, friends, belong to Jesus. I belong to him in life and death, in body and soul. He didn't just purchase your soul, he purchased all of you. All of you. Your whole being, body and soul. And like Corinth, the church today has issues, does it not? The church today has issues. Recent Pew Research came out 
saying that half of self-identified Christians in America say casual sex is sometimes or always acceptable. Casual sex is sometimes or always acceptable. And the survey defined casual sex as sex between consenting adults who are not in a committed romantic relationship. There was called friends with benefits. Mainline Protestants, 54%, 62% of Catholics. One-third of evangelicals hold this view. That's using your body to be gratified by the desires of the sinful nature find pleasure. But it's not just the act itself. What about lust? It becomes even more alarming when it comes to lust in the church today. 68% of church-going men and over 50% of pastors view porn on a regular basis. Of young Christian adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively view porn. 59% of pastors said that married men seek their help for porn use. Seventy percent of Christian youth pastors report that they have had at least one teen come for them for help in dealing with pornography in the past 12 months. 56% of American divorces involve one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic websites. 11 is the average age of a child to first be exposed to pornography. 11 years old. 94% of children will see porn by the age of 14. Fifty-seven percent of pastors say porn addiction is the most damaging issue in their congregation. Sixty-nine percent say porn has adversely impacted the church. Oh, we're not that different than Corinth. Maybe this is an issue you have. What are your eyes looking at? What is your heart longing for? Are you engrossed in the sin of sexual immorality? Maybe the Holy Spirit, we need to be praying, is doing some convicting in this room, in this sanctuary. The church today is not much different than Corinth. We live in a highly sexualized culture and society. And the ground of Paul's arguments is the resurrection of our Lord. You notice that? At verse 14, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, 
but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. The resurrection of Jesus shows us the importance and value of the body. Otherwise, why would he rise from the dead? He came to die for sins and to rise from the dead so that his sheep, his people, will be raised in body and soul in the last day, redeemed in the last day. That which was undone in the garden at the fall will be redeemed in the last day. The body matters to God. He matter, it matters how we use our bodies in this life. If the body was of little value and was just a prison house for the soul, why then the resurrection of Jesus? Well, God created us body and soul, and the second and last Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, redeems us body and soul to serve and worship him, to use our bodies rightly, to glorify him with them. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The power of God's Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, which teaches us that God is greatly concerned about the body that he created, will raise our bodies too. In the meantime, in this life, he calls us to glorify him with these bodies. That is the purpose of the body. Secondly, the union of the body with Christ Verse 15, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Human beings take something beautiful and meant for a man and a woman in the context of marriage covenant, that is sex, and they misuse and abuse it. Sexual sexual immorality is the giving into the inner desires and lusts by offering our bodies to be slaves to it. And Paul says, congregation, do you not know that your physical bodies too are members of Christ? Your whole being, your whole person is member, a member of Christ. The Christian faith doesn't teach what is called a dualism. Where body and soul are antithetical. They are opposites. And they're, they're at odds with one another. And that God only cares about the soul and not the body. No, that is not what the Christian faith teaches. When the soul suffers, the body suffers with it. And when the body suffers, the soul suffers with it. When the inner self desires, the body thirsts, or the lust to be quenched with its member, the body. The two are not mutually exclusive. In the holy bond of marriage, what happens? A husband and wife become one flesh. They are united to to one another. The husband has rights to his wife's body, and the wife has rights to her husband's body. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul talks about this. 
You own each other's bodies. You have the right to each other's bodies when you become one flesh. They are members to one another. And no one has the right or authority to insert themselves into that marriage union. But Paul goes on to say, Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Similarly and more profoundly, your body is a member of Christ. You are one spirit with Christ. You are married to Christ. Your body belongs to Him. And so don't make the body a member of a prostitute now. Notice the the language, the firm language that He's using here. And how greatly concerned He is about immorality, using the word prostitute. You are making your body a prostitute. And when you engage in sexual immorality, your body is being united with another person. You become in union with another person. But if you're united to Christ by faith, if you're a member of Christ, don't commit sexual immorality. Don't prostitute your body, thus defiling, polluting your body. And grieving the Holy Spirit that is within you. How then do you view your body? Surely Paul's talking here about immorality and sexual immorality. But the body's to be cared for in many other ways as well. Don't prostitute your body. Don't give your body over to another and become one with another other than your wife or husband. Don't give your body over in promiscuity because the consequences are great and damaging and hurtful and painful. Yes, there's forgiveness. David knew forgiveness. David knew God's mercy. But there are consequences. Many years ago, I remember serving at a church, and there was a, a gentleman who was an evangelist, and he preached there, and there was a, a young couple that visited, and they were living together, and they were living in the same room, and they told the evangelist that they were having sex outside the marriage covenant, and they spoke to the evangelist, telling him these things, and after the service, um, when the evangelist was talking to them, he, he told them about um, what he thought about the situation because they were asking him about it. They were soliciting his thoughts and opinions on the matter about their living arrangements. And the evangelism said, would you allow your father to enter the bedroom? They were shocked. Are you, are you crazy? No. The point that he's making is God the Father has a watchful eye in the bedroom. That's the point he's making. 
in that act before God, God is not pleased. And it's only within the marriage covenant that sex is to be enjoyed. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. But when it's outside the marriage covenants, when it's outside the marriage covenants, it is called prostitution. It is called committing one's body over to someone other than a spouse. Because ultimately, ultimately, it's sinning against Christ who they are members of. Lastly, the sacredness of the body. Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. The antidote for sexual immorality and the temptations for sexual immorality is summed up in one word, flee, run, don't entertain it, don't allow it to ruminate, don't try to justify the merits of it. Flee because it's destructive and divisive. Paul says every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Well, how is it so? Is it excessive drinking or habitual smoking or drug abuse or other things effective to the body? Don't they affect the body too? How about drug abuse? Isn't that affecting the body? How is sexual immorality different? Still similar sin. They're all sins, but how is this one uniquely different as it relates to the body? It's different because a person uses the body as an instrument of unrighteousness. When they are members of Christ, when you're a member of Christ and you give your body over to immorality, we're defiling the body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit. The body is sacred in God's eyes. Why is it sacred? Because God dwells in us. God dwells in us. It is his dwelling place. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Earlier at chapter 3, verse 16, he says the same. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. You were bought with a price, and that price is the precious blood of Jesus. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You were bought at a price when the Son of Man gave his life for you and me. Therefore, glorify God in your body. You were bought with a price. And by the Spirit you were born again. You are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new is come. Therefore, do not use your body as an instrument for the old man. The old way of life. Put that to death. Let's not use our freedom 
and forgiveness of sins is a license to use our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. This passage of Scripture, friends, has incredible implications upon the church in every age. And we would do well to hear and believe and obey this teaching. This teaching because it is the temple of the Holy Spirit that we are. Our bodies are His temple. They belong to Him. And His Spirit resides in us. And we must never encourage any sin that affects the body. And we must never encourage the sin of sexual immorality because of the sacredness of the body. And so let us not use God's temple, that is our bodies, as our trash can. Don't treat your body as a disposable and valueless object. Use your body to glorify Him, for you were bought with a price. And perhaps there are some here who need to be repenting of sin, the sin of sexual immorality. If the Lord is pricking your heart, if the Lord is revealing to you the need to repent, then do so. Know His forgiveness, know His mercy, know His cleansing power. And if you need to be reconciled to a brother or sister or a neighbor, then go do so. If you need to be reconciled to a spouse, reach out to your spouse, talk to your spouse. You were bought with a price. Your body belongs to Christ. Glorify God in your body. And the antidote for that is flee, run, and do not surrender to the passions and lusts of the flesh. And if you need to, find an accountability partner. Find someone you can talk to. Don't be too proud to talk about it with someone you can confide in. Because the longer you wait, the more numb you will become to the sin of sexual immorality. And the more numb you become the more wayward you will become and the more you will draw away from Christ rather than drawing near to Him. Talk to your pastor or pastors. These are ways in which you flee. Maybe you need a sabbatical from your phone. Maybe you need to turn off notifications. Maybe you need to do something that is so radical and how the the Lord Jesus uses hyperbolic language that is figures of speech of plucking out your eyes and cutting off your left arm or your right arm. Do what you have to do, in other words, to flee. Are you fleeing? I'm talking to men and women. You heard the statistics, the studies. There's a reason why Paul is so passionate about this subject and why he implores 
implores Christians to flee. Because he knows the devastating effects of this sin. The people around the person and to the person's own body and soul. Flee from sexual immorality. Do what you have to do. Set aside your pride. Set aside your lust. Put it to death. Repent. Pray fervently. And seek help. Seek a brother or sister you can talk to. A pastor, perhaps. To help you. In your spiritual walk with Christ. And in defeating this sin of sexual immorality. So that you too may glorify God in your body. Amen. Let's pray. O Father in heaven. We come before you as sinners who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We were once lost, but now we are found. We were once blind, but now we see. We see the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ, the one who forgives us of all of our sins, even the sin of sexual immorality. We thank you, O Lord, that you have made us new creations in Christ and that you are sanctifying us by your word and spirit. And we pray, O oh Lord, that Christians here or, or who are listening via live stream, those in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ who struggle with this sin, may know, O oh Lord, your forgiving mercy as they, O oh Lord, are revealed by your spirit this sin in their lives and how they need to come to you and repent, turn from it, and follow Christ. For we are members of Him. And so help us, O Lord, we pray. I pray for each one here that you would protect our hearts, that you would by your word, protect our hearts and that your spirit would watch over us in such a way, O oh Lord, where we are tempted, when we are tempted, we immediately bounce our eyes to Christ, the one who loved us and bought us with his redeeming love and blood. O oh, Father, we pray that you would have mercy upon your people and help us, Lord, to glorify you in everything that we do and say. May we give you thanksgiving with our lives as well. For in Jesus' name we pray, amen.